Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from rimfiretactical.com, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to episode 68, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, staying COVID-free, not uh, getting washed away, depending on where you are with all the rain, or getting blown away uh, if you're in one of the areas that's really dry and experiencing a drought. Uh, What can I say? 2020 was one heck of a year. And 2021 has been something else as well. Uh, Different challenges, but yet still quite an interesting time. Um, No, recently, really, I guess it's been for the last at least three to four months. It just seems like um, things keep coming up and there's, you were just, we're busier than ever before, which is a huge blessing. Don't get me wrong, but man, it has... Uh, created such a struggle in getting episodes out. And uh, I just want to first thank you guys. Thank you so much for all the the people that have reached out, either through the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group or the folks who have emailed over at contact at rimfiretactical.com. I uh, really do appreciate uh, you checking in on me. Uh, obviously, I, I do post from time to time uh, in the group, but uh, I've had a lot of you reach out, just you know, asking when the next episode was coming out, making sure myself, my family, making sure everyone's healthy and and safe. And yeah, I just want you to know I'm grateful for that. I I really do appreciate it. I don't take it for granted at all that uh, you guys would think about us like that. Um, and everything has been going great. Um, I mean, we're very very blessed. Cannot complain at all. Uh, just been doing a lot of um, a lot of different things. I've had several uh, trips. Uh, to Dallas. As a matter of fact, I'm in Dallas now at least once a month. Um, it's part of a business group that I'm in there. And uh, and really, those folks, uh, to an extent, are the reason that this podcast started years ago. Uh, they were very influential in helping me you know, understand the value of creating a podcast. And, and although the focus on the podcast that they were talking about is more of a business style, um, I felt like what made the most sense was to have a podcast, at least initially, something that is easy to talk about because sometimes business can be really dry, really boring, Uh, you know, especially if you're someone who's not as involved with um, business ownership or certain parts of business. And frankly, guns are easy to talk about. And if I'm going to talk about guns, and I'm going to talk about ammo, and I'm going to talk about scopes and all that fun stuff. Well, I want to talk about the guns that I enjoy shooting the most, which would be rimfires. So, um, you know, between that monthly travel to Dallas and throw in a couple of family trips here and there, um, it's been a, a busy year and uh, definitely something that you know, I'm figuring out along the way how to manage time a little better and get these episodes in. So, you know, it's it's a process and something that we're going to keep working through. But a uh, couple of things real quick, just a huge shout out first and foremost to uh, to Mike Shea. Uh, Mike Shea, uh, I guess it was uh, three or four episodes ago, we had him on and we were talking about his new book, Rimfire Revolution. Just a, uh, a great guy with a great book. And, um, you know, just a rimfire junkie like the rest of us. Uh, so huge shout out to him for being on. Uh, if you don't have his book, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. 
it's um, it really does give a great background on rim fires and just you know where we've come with the rim fire game. Um, also, another shout out to Mike Shea for reaching out when he was going to be doing some one-on-one time and testing and everything with Mike Bush from Voodoo Gunworks. Um, they were kind enough to take some time and knock out not one, but two episodes uh, for the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. So huge thank you there. Um, I still have not had either Mike Bush or Paul Parrott on from Voodoo. I will do that in the future. Um, may specifically try to reach out to Paul. He and I have talked about it just a little bit, but um, you know, Mike does a lot of the publicity and, and things for Voodoo because let's face it, the guy created the 40X conversion and is just a wizard in the uh, gun world and especially in, in the Grimfire game. Uh, but Paul Parrott is an incredibly cool guy to talk to. And I think it'd be really neat to have him on um, just so he could kind of give his perspective and everything. So who knows? Maybe we'll have Paul on. Maybe we'll have Mike on. Maybe we'll have both of them on at the same time. Who knows? But, um, you know, it's just it's such an honor to be able to put this thing together for you guys and to send it out. And I'm just blown away. I know I've said it in the past. I'm blown away and uh, thankful that so many people out there are interested in this, uh, the Facebook group, the podcast. Uh, for those of you that have asked about the forum, I know I haven't given that many updates in a bit. The forum took, um, was supposed to have actually launched last year. And, you know, we ran into some issues on our end. And for a while, I was trying to do a lot of this on my own and just sort of figure it out along the way. And, you know, ultimately what I realized is it's a whole lot easier to go to someone that knows what they're doing and um, that not only knows what they're doing, but can get it done the way it should be from the very beginning. And then hopefully not have uh, issues going forward, like what ends up happening often in the tech world. Um, so I, I sought out someone that has built some forms that I'm familiar with and done a great job with those. And so he's been working behind the scenes, um, getting everything where we'd like it. And really, you know, he's, he's humored me quite a bit from the standpoint of, you know, certain things that I've asked him for, mainly because of what I see in my, my normal job, if you will, in the credit card processing world. Uh, and for those of you that aren't familiar, I, uh, I own a company called Get Accurate Payments, and I'm a partner in a, a large company where we do credit card processing. And, and what we see a lot when it comes to websites these days, we see a lot of fraud that happens in the, uh, the online world where you have hackers who are trying to either uh, test stolen credit card numbers on websites that have sales uh, as an option. You know, it's an e-commerce website. Um, but they also go in and try to spam in different forums, hoping to get users to click on a link. And a lot of times that's a malicious link that they're trying to get you to click on. And and even if it's not a, a malicious link with, you know, that's going to download all kinds of spam and malware and 
and junk like that to your computer, um, you know, there's a really good chance you're going to end up with, you know, trying to get sold some generic version of who knows what Viagra or, or, you know, who likes it, who knows what, uh, they're going to try to get you to buy there. But, uh, anyway, uh, he's really went above and beyond to try to make sure that we have all of the issues sorted out, um, and try to have as much security in place to not only prevent those folks from accessing the membership to begin with, but also uh, we are about to launch some swag, uh, some hats and shirts and stuff like that. Uh, you guys have asked me about it at different times. And, and you know, it was not really something that all those years ago when I started the group that I was thinking about. But once we created the logo, you know, a lot of people did say, hey, that, I really like that logo on a hat or I'd like that logo on a shirt. And so ultimately, we're going to we're going to put that together. And, you know, this isn't something that uh, is, to, you know, something to pay for another voodoo for Chris. It's more about something that, you know, can help spread you know, and, and grow the community. The folks who like the rifles and handguns that we do. The folks who enjoy the types of matches and competitions that we do and, um, you know, just, just get that word out. So, uh, with all that being said, this won't be a very long episode. Just want to kind of give a recap. Um, there's a lot of different things, uh, different, uh, tools or toys, depending on who you ask that I've picked up recently. Um, I'll be doing some some conversations that are more in depth talking about those, uh, in the next few episodes. But today I just thought I'd give a real quick recap of, um, uh, my most recent match, which most recently I shot a, uh, another rimfire PRS match and shot this one at my local gun club, which is Kettlefoot rod and gun. And, uh, you know, it, it's a funny thing when, you are looking forward to something it's really easy to get your hopes up to um to be excited about it and you should be i mean you know you're looking forward to it so you should be excited that you're getting to go do it and you know not only should you be excited about it but if you put the time in and you put the effort in you you know it's not unrealistic or unreasonable at all, I don't think, to have an expectation of how you're going to perform. Now, that expectation, that's something that, you know, for everybody, it's going to be different. I know guys that are convinced that every time that they show up at a match, they're going to win it. I know other guys that are, um, they will tell you they're more reasonable in their expectations. So what their expectations are that they're going to show up and they may not win, um, but they're going to, as long as they perform at the best they can do, they're going to be happy with that. Um, I know other guys that show up at a match and they're convinced from the very beginning before they ever even get their, their rifle or ammo or anything out of the vehicle, they're convinced, yeah, this is going to suck. <laughs> I'm not going to shoot well today. And so, I've always been kind of a, a positive guy, kind of a positive mental attitude. Uh, you know, that, that's sort of been my thing. But I've also, within reason, um, you know, I've had expectations of how I should perform. 
And, you know, there's days where those expectations are realistic. And then there's days where I probably was, you know, I expect a little bit more of myself than, than what I was able to, to actually do. With this particular match, it was originally scheduled to be on a Saturday. And the reason that's important is because I was in Dallas um, in, in meetings. And so I originally had set up my flights to fly back home on Saturday. And then I saw that the match was scheduled for Saturday. So I was like, wait, let me see if I can work this out. And so I actually was able to reschedule flights and make it home on Friday night. Um, I think I got home 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So I thought, you know, it's not ideal. Uh, it's not ideal just from the fact of, I don't know about you guys, but um, growing up, I always thought it'd be cool to have to fly a lot. What I've learned now, especially with COVID, is that I don't enjoy flying at all. Um, you know, the airlines, I assume they're doing the best they can, but, you know, customer service is definitely not their strong suit anymore. Don't know that it ever was, but it definitely isn't now. The people who are flying are typically not real happy. Um, the uh, airline attendants, most of the time, I think they're fairly friendly and do a uh, as good of a job as they can. But let's face it, the current state of things has them being more of a, I heard someone call them a mask Nazi, and I don't know, that sounds a little harsh, but you know, if, I've, if I hear it once, I hear it probably 30 times uh, on each flight, uh, you know, from one of the attendants on the plane talking to some passenger, and usually it's multiple passengers, but you know, it's, sir, pull that mask up over your nose. It must be over your nose, sir, or ma'am. We can see your nose, and we need your nose covered as well. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't a, a topic we're talking about, whether COVID is, you know, is everything it's made out to be or not. You know, this isn't, I'm just not that guy. Uh, to me, politics, religion, and COVID all fall into the same category. Uh, you can find people who believe what they believe, whether it's uh, one way or the other, and you're not changing their opinion. No matter how hard you try, all you're doing is making enemies. So. We're not talking about that as I take a sip of COVID coffee, but uh, what I will tell you is that, you know, me flying in and landing late at night wasn't going to be the ideal thing, um, especially when I was going to need to be heading out about 7 a.m. the next morning. It's not exactly ideal to go shoot a match like that, but, you know, it's also really not ideal to be gone for several days. And come home and basically give your kids a kiss goodnight because it's time for them to go to bed. And give your wife a kiss goodnight because she's exhausted while you've been gone out of town taking care of everything for the kids. And working and everything else. So, you know, I wasn't crazy about the timing. But I was um, definitely wanting to shoot the match because there's been a couple since the first one that they had at the range which was back in February and I was able to shoot that one, but they've had a couple since. And, um, one of those, I just didn't even know about, didn't even know about it until after the match had happened. And the other one I did know about, but, uh, was out of town. So couldn't take part, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I was so excited to, to get a chance to shoot it because 
frankly, in the first match, uh, I didn't shoot as well as I thought I could. And, you know, I had really no expectations. When I went to practice score to sign up, I saw a lot of names that I recognized. A lot of those are from this Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. But there was also a lot of, of uh, shooters that were signed up for that first match. And I recognized their names from looking at PRS results in different matches. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of really good shooters that live within a three to five hour drive of my local area. So the first match, you know, going into it, I was probably in my head a little bit um, just from the standpoint of knowing I was going to be shooting against some of these guys and, uh, and ladies and, you know, made some, some goofy mistakes, definitely did not have my dope down and everything as well as I should have. And, uh, and I think I figured out part of the problem. Um, but I, I'll talk about that either later on this episode or another one. But, um, anyway, at the end of the day, I, I just didn't feel like I, I performed very well. The one thing that I was really happy about was that in that match, I only timed out on one stage and literally as the timer went off, my trigger or my finger was touching the trigger. And I mean, I fired the round. I did miss the target, so it really didn't matter. But that was the, there was only one stage where I actually timed out. So when I went to go to practice score and sign up for this August match, I noticed that the match had actually on practice score, it was showing on Sunday, but when I looked at my club's calendar, it was still on Saturday. So I reached out to the match director and he confirmed that they had actually moved that match to Sunday because there was another Rimfire PRS match that was actually a finale on Saturday. So they didn't want to have a conflict. They actually wanted shooters to be able to go to both. And uh, so I was like, hey, this is even better. I'm getting home Friday night. I'm going to spend all Saturday with my my wife, my daughters, we're going to have a great time. And then I'm going to get up on Sunday and we're going to go shoot this match. So timing couldn't have been better. If anything, I thought, you know, this will absolutely help with my performance. And, and, you know, we'll see what happens. So I go to practice score. I see there's a lot of shooters that are signed up. I also recognize a lot of those names. Uh, Chris Simmons being one of them. Chris, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with Chris, I believe I am correct on this. And if not, um, I stand, I will stand corrected, but I believe I'm correct that Chris actually won the NRL 22 championship earlier this year. And, uh, if you haven't followed Chris, follow him on um, Facebook. I'm sure he's probably on Instagram and all the other places too, but Chris is an incredible shooter. Um, I don't know Chris. I did get a chance to, to meet him just for a second this past weekend. But uh, I can tell you that week in, week out, on Saturday or on Sunday, and sometimes on Saturday and Sunday, I see Chris showing the results of different matches he has shot in, and the overwhelming majority of those matches, he's winning. So he was one of the first names I saw when I went to practice score to sign up, and I was like, well, you know, this is going to be good. Maybe. And really what I was hoping to do was to actually get squatted up with Chris because I don't want to be a distraction to anyone at all, but I really do like shooting with people who are a lot better than I am because there's a lot of stuff you can learn just from watching and listening. 
So that was my hope, but uh, that didn't work out. But anyway, um, you know, life's good. Things are going great. Uh, this time on the way to the match, uh, if you recall on my first match, on the way there, I was 20 minutes from my house when I realized I had left my uh, binoculars. Um, didn't want to take a spotting scope because I felt like that was going to be pretty cumbersome. But, you know, I've got some Leica Geovids that have the built-in rangefinder and thought, you know, those would be really invaluable. I don't want to have to hit people up left and right asking them to borrow equipment. Um, so then that first match, I actually turned around. I was 15 to 20 minutes from home and about halfway to the range. But I drove back to the house, picked up my binoculars, made it about to the same place and realized I had left knee pads. And I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm not worried about it. I'll just deal with it. So on this particular uh, match, I made it a point to grab those knee pads, had those uh, on the backpack that I keep my ammo and everything in and uh, had all my gear together the night before. It was about halfway to the match and realized, you know what? I had planned to grab those Leicas and uh, those Leica Geovids, and I'd be darned if I didn't leave them again. So it is what it is. I'm not turning around going back because in the February match, I got there just minutes before the match got started, and I thought, you know, I'll just live with it. It is what it is. So get to the match. Uh, I'm there early, um, getting plenty of time to make sure they've got me squatted up. Um, get a uh, the sheet with the stage breakdowns and the distances to the various um, targets. And, you know, this is just something that I do. I think most people uh, have a better process that I sort of picked up on this particular time. So, you know, for me, I'm a student in everything that I do. I'm I'm sure when I was younger, I probably would tell you I had it all figured out on lots of different things because I was that dumb. But now I really do like I'll do something the way that it makes sense to me. And then when I see people doing something else, I'm like, hey, maybe that's a better thing, you know, better idea. I'll do that next time. So what I have done in the past is when I get to the match, I make it a point to go ahead, get the uh, sheet out, take a look at all the targets write my dope in the fields for each target. And by doing that, you know, my thought is I'm done. I don't have to go back and look at this later. So all I need to focus on is when we move from one stage to the next, I just need to focus on my dope and make sure everything's good to go. I don't have to worry about looking the dope up. I've already written it down. Now I know some of you are listening to this and going, He's an idiot, and you're probably right, because on that particular morning, when I got to the club, it was 62 degrees. It was foggy. It was very overcast. It was windy, and, and frankly, it felt a little cool. By the time I'm shooting a lot of the stages later on in the day, it's 85. It's sunny. It's humid. So, you know, some things changed throughout the day. And, um, I, I have not been an early adopter or an adopter at all of a Kestrel. Uh, a lot of that's just because when the Kestrels became a thing, I had already kind of gotten out of long range shooting. And even though I've got some rifles and I occasionally shoot long range, I just, I don't know. 
I just never did buy a Kestrel. But, you know, in my world, it just made sense for a lot of the matches that I shoot that are rather um, static, if you will. Every match, I, I know the ranges before I show up because, you know, my, my local NRL 22 match, that, that stopped. But even with those, I already know the distances because the course of fire gets published the month prior to each match. So with this particular match, you don't know anything until you get there. So I'm writing in my dope on each of the stages. And and most of the stages were at least a, a, a round count of 10. There were a couple of 12 round stages. Um, I think there was one stage maybe that had like a round count of eight. And, um, you know, I got everything written down. Kind of could just take a few moments, calm down, relax. Uh, do a little socializing with some people that were there that I knew and, um, you know, just get ready to have a fun match. The reality of it is <laughs> once the match got started, um, you know, from the very beginning, like the very first stage, I, um, I had a few misses and, you know, that was just, it's something that in my opinion, depending on how you're doing or what you're shooting you know, what style of shooting you're, you're doing. I just have a really hard time if I'm shooting in a, a scenario where I'm shooting off of a bench and, you know, standing, of course, but like it's a know your limits. It's not uh, a terribly difficult target to hit. Um, it was uh, 73 yards on a know your limits. And the thing that the main thing about it was if you had a miss, then you had to do a magazine change. Well, in my mind, I shoot these all the time. So come on, please. That shouldn't happen. And if I remember correctly, I think I missed the first shot. So then I had to do a magazine change. And if you missed, you had to do a magazine change, period. <coughs> Excuse me. A little COVID cough there. But um, ultimately, I ended up dropping three points on the very first stage and you know in in my mind it's like all right you know you gotta buckle down get serious i mean have fun but i mean come on dude this was this was not difficult and i'd like to tell you that you know as the match went on things got better and um <laughs> the reality is not so much so throughout the day i had a ton of struggles um for this particular match I shot a, uh, my black voodoo. It's a, I think, um, voodoo calls it the apparition, uh, black beauty or something like that. I always thought it would have been cool to, to call it the stealth or to call it, uh, uh, the wraith because there was a, a movie when I was a kid growing up that had Charlie Sheen in it called the wraith. And, you know, it was just, yeah, kind of a cool movie at the time. When you look at it now, it looks really basic and simple. But um, anyway, I, I decided I was going to shoot that particular rifle because um, it just hammers. And uh, the last match I had shot with my Red Voodoo that's in a J. Allen chassis, which is considerably heavier. And um, I just didn't shoot that gun that well that day. And like I said, I, I think I figured out the cause of that. But I decided to shoot that black rifle and what I learned that I 
should have known, but you know, it's amazing sometimes what you don't pick up until it's, it's too late. But the perk of that black rifle is that it is much lighter. It's easy to get in and out around barricades. Um, it's easier to shoot offhand. But one of the challenges is that when you're on a barricade and you've got it sitting on a game changer bag or, or whatever, you know, it's definitely not as stable being six to seven pounds lighter than my other two voodoos. It's not nearly as stable on the bag. And so as I'm wobbling around a little bit, you know, the rifle's moving quite a bit. And, you know, this is 100%. This is a Chris issue. This is not an issue with the rifle, the scope, the ammo. Uh, you know, it's not a gear issue. It was just, you know, I didn't think things through. But the other thing is, uh, and this is really, I guess, the point I would drive home is it's easy to go out and shoot at the range. It's very easy to go out and shoot the rifle at different distances and to know the dope and just to know that the rifle will shoot a three quarter inch group at a hundred yards or, or whatever your rifle will do. I mean, mine have done it a few times, but it's certainly not something that I can tell you I can go do on a, um, on a, uh, a consistent basis. Um, a lot of that's me. Some of that's the conditions, but, but ultimately where I think I've learned that I've messed up more than anything else when it comes to being ready for these matches is I have not practiced enough on getting in and out of different positions and moving. And so in this particular match, we had two minutes for each stage. Well, two minutes sounds like an eternity. Um, it really does um, because a lot of the PRS matches that I, when I see um, course layouts and things like that, uh, a lot of times it's, it's a 90 second time limit per stage. And in either case, you're still getting at least 10 rounds downrange, maybe 12. But what I figured out is that in my mind, even though two minutes sounds like a tremendous amount of time, on a lot of the stages where I should be able to take my time and get hits, I get in such a rush that I'm, you know, I'm running the bolt incredibly hard and then I'm rushing the shots, which is what has caused me, like in this particular example, the very first stage, I had a 7 out of 10. Now, the reason I had the 7 out of 10 was I had two misses. And um, so there's, I'm going from 9, let's see. Yes. I, no, no, no. I guess I had, I can't remember now if I had two misses and then I timed out before I got the last round fired. Or if it was that I had three misses. I just don't remember now. It's all a blur. But ultimately, instead of taking my time, getting hits, and moving on, I was rushing, getting having a miss. And in that on that stage, then I had to change the magazine, put the fresh magazine in, get some hits, miss, change magazines. See, I, ultimately what I'm doing is I created all this additional headache for myself, where if I had just taken my time and got solid hits, you know, it would have been a hugely different scenario. Consequently, flip around to some of the positional stages where you do need to be a little quicker. And what I found there, and this was later on in the match when this was, you know, kind of 
hitting me. There was one stage where you shot prone, you shot one target. Um, let me see if I can find it here. I think it was stage number three. Stage number three, yeah. So you, shooters will begin standing behind the tank trap with rifle and gear in hand. On the beep, the shooter will go prone and engage the smallest target on the near array with one round. Shooters will then engage the smaller target on the far away with two rounds before transitioning back to the close target to engage with one more round. So you're going near to far, far to near. And then shooters will move to the tank trap and engage in the same order, but shooting the larger targets. And then after that, the shooter will go back to prone and re-engage the targets in the same order. So what you have is you've got at 79 yards and at 150 yards, you have a small diamond and a large diamond. Well, you know, what can I tell you? Laid down, got prone, got hit, moved, hit, hit. You know, like things are moving because I'm I'm doing well. I'm getting the hits. I'm doing what needs to be done. And I thought to myself, I don't, there, a story for another time is that I, after my February match, when I had to do reloads, I figured out, hey, I just need to order a 15-round magazine from Voodoo. I ordered that in February. Um, when I checked with Voodoo the other day, they were telling me that it shipped in March, but somehow, some way, I guess I got it, or the UPS store where I have everything shipped got it, but I don't have it. I, I don't know if I got it and misplaced it, or if the UPS store misplaced it. I don't really know, but ultimately... Um, like I knew I was going to have to do reloads because all I had was 10 round magazines. So after I came off of the prone going to the tank trap, I thought I'm already moving. I'll just change magazines here. So, um, got the hits prone. Um, think I had a miss, maybe one miss, uh, something like that. Anyway, I'm shooting, um, off the barricade and getting ready to go back prone. And I time out, I time out before I ever even got close to getting, 12 shots out. I actually only ended up with like six hits on that stage. I think I had a miss maybe or, or, or so, but like literally I timed out. And what happened this time was I timed out on a couple of matches or I'm sorry, a couple of stages. So this it's becoming one of those things where it's like, I'm rushing the stages where I've got plenty of time. Um, I took my time on stages where I needed to move faster. And really the biggest thing is getting, where I, I think I've, I've messed up the most on those was getting into position, but getting on target. And a lot of that's probably because I had the magnification turned up too high on the scope. Should have been lower magnification, find the, the target, and then zoomed in. Totally rookie mistakes that, uh, you know, now that I've made them and I've made notes of them, you know, hopefully that won't happen again when I shoot the next match in a couple of months. But, um, you know, the thing about shooting or a lot of, of different games, if you will. I think of shooting a lot like I do with golf. Uh, used to be a huge golfer, really enjoy playing it. Um, have never been a great golfer, but you know, I've never really spent a tremendous amount of time practicing. For me, golf was one of those things that was very social. It's, it's a lot of fun to go out and have fun. And the guys that I play with, you know, I'm, I'm as likely to win when we're playing as they are. 
it's not like they're super um, competitive or super great uh, golfers. So from that standpoint, I never really spent a lot of time practicing. Uh, if anything, go out and you know to the driving range maybe. And if you think about it, it, really the driving range is the last place you want to be as a golfer because yes, you can get better at your driver, but in a round of 18, you're going to hit that driver 18 times. But after you hit the driver, depending on each uh, uh, each hole that you're on, you know you're going to use your putter at least once, if not two to three times. You know you're going to use your irons multiple times throughout the day. So really, the smarter thing, I think, if you're a golfer that's, that's serious, would be, yes, you want to hit your driver, and you want to hit it well, but you really want to be good with your irons. You want to be good with your putter. And so from my standpoint where, you know, I guess where I keep going back to with this, uh, with PRS and, and the NRL 22 stuff is you're shooting an accurate rifle. I'm sure. I mean, there's not really bad rifles these days. I don't care if you've got a Savage, a Marlin, a Ruger, uh, a Tika, a CZ, um, and shoots Seiko voodoo. I don't care what you have. You can be competitive with just about any of them, but ultimately it's, it's the little things. It's not the accuracy. That's the issue on most or for a majority of us. It's, it's the mental game. It's getting the little things done. And so one of the jokes that I've heard about golf my entire life is the reason that so many bad golfers keep coming back to play. It's not because they think they're going to, you know, suddenly become the next Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or Jack Nicholas or something like that. It's because they have this one brilliant shining moment, usually on the 18th hole, where they absolutely crush the driver. They have the perfect chip shot and they put it in for a birdie. Or maybe they hit par, but that's the only par they had that day. And a lot of times it's because, you know, they're trying to fight, um, fight with themselves, you know, have that conversation in their head and ultimately just trying to wrap things up and, you know, let's, let's put a good finish on the day. So going into the last stage that we were going to shoot, I was just frustrated, tired, hot, um, disappointed. I mean, I had a great time. Uh, I was shooting with a great squad and I mean, really just a fantastic day thankful and grateful I'm even getting to do something so cool as this, but you know, a hundred percent disappointed in the way that, uh, the match was going for myself. And so the last mat or last stage, this is a stage that was called SOB. And I'm going to read you the description really quickly. And then, um, you know, just kind of talk through it a little bit. So the shooters will begin standing behind the bench with rifle and gear in hand. On the beat, shooters will engage the smallest circle plate at 83 yards with two rounds from the bench top. Shooters will then use the single rope, uh, and there's a rope tied from two posts on the range. Uh, shooters will then use the, the rope to support their rifle and engage the middle target with two shots. Shooter will then engage the largest circle target with two shots standing unsupported the shooter will then move back to the rope for two more shots 
and then back to the bench top for the final two shots. So think of it this way. There's, I don't know the, the size of the targets, but they're at 83 yards. You have three circle targets, three pieces of steel. The smallest one gets shot from the bench. The middle one gets shot with the rifle supported on the rope. And the um, largest one is shot standing. Well, this is the one that I heard most people complaining about because of the standing. And um, standing and, you know, silhouette shooting is not my strong suit. I enjoy it, but uh, it is definitely a challenge. So this is where the fun happens. I'm aggravated. I'm frustrated. I'm like, you know, in my head, just, dude, you got to calm down. You got you to gotta finish strong. And so I'm watching the shooters go, that are going ahead of me and, most people are getting six, seven, eight hits. Um, and then the guy who shoots before me, shooting an awesome Tika um, that is in a uh, KRG chassis that uh, was just beautiful. Uh, I'll, I'll share some pictures of the chassis at some point. But um, anyway, I'm watching him shoot, and he is on fire, and he cleans the, the stage. And I'm thinking to myself, of course he does. Eh, why not? You know, I mean, like, I'm I'm not shooting well. I'm in my head, and now this dude's went up there and shot this perfect score on this stage and cleaned it, and I got to follow that. So I get up there. Um, I got my bag in hand, got the the rifle ready, and I'm like, "Yep, let's go." So I get the first hit off the bench, run the bolt, get the second hit just like I should. Everything's smooth. Oddly enough, while I had the dope correct, I did not adjust the parallax. So everything's a little blurry, but you know, in my mind, I'm thinking you got to speed up. You got to speed up. You got to speed up, get this done. So I get the two hits. When I get to the rope, um, took my time and got two hits. So I'm feeling pretty stinking good. Now the offhand part, the unsupported, you know, that's a big deal. And that's the thing that, um, you know, really was was supposed to be the separator. Well, I do shoot silhouette matches quite often, and I shoot those with an on shoots seventeen twelve. And the way that I hold that rifle, I put my left thumb, but underneath the rifle between the magazine and the trigger guard, and it's the most stable place for me. So, when I brought the rifle off of the rope, I worked the bolt, chambered around. Took the rifle up, sort of like a, I go up to like about a 45 degree angle or so. Put my thumb underneath the rifle and started lowering it down. And when I did that, my left thumb hit the magazine release and my magazine fell right out of the gun and um, bounced off my foot across the concrete and out into the grass. I saw that happen. thought, well, crap, there goes this. But then I thought, you know what? There's a round in the chamber. I might as well go ahead and get a hit. So I took my time, took my time, watched the dot, and wouldn't you know it, I actually got a hit. So, of course, the bipod's you know, laying down, or, or not, uh, it's down from where I was shooting off the bench. So I just turned around and set my rifle down on the bench, and I looked at the range officer that was keeping uh, time and score, and he goes, you got 60 seconds left. I was like, well, yeah, but I dropped my magazine. And, and he goes, okay. I was like, can I get my magazine? He goes, well, you sure? Yeah, go ahead and get it. So, you know, I 
hopped down uh, off the concrete, went out in the grass, got the magazine, came back, put it in, and thought, hey, man, you know, you got some time here. Let's let's make this count. So ran the bolt, took the rifle up, vertical. As I was bringing it down, I'd be daggum if my thumb didn't hit the magazine release again because, you know, apparently I can't, I didn't learn enough. But this time, at least, I caught the magazine. Uh, I pressed it up against the, um, the magwell and kept it in place. So calmed down, thought, you know what? Just make this work, and thankfully, got a hit. Went back to the bolt, or I'm sorry, back to the rope. Uh, two more hits, back to the bench. Um, I rushed the first shot, but did get an impact. And just as I was working the bolt, I heard the range officer say, I had 25 seconds left. So in my mind, I thought I was out of time. He tells me I have 25 seconds left. So I took my finger off the trigger for just a second, took a deep breath, focused on the target, got a hit. So much like golf, where you, you finish with the 18th hole and a, a birdie or par or something, um, you know, it's, a lot of times it'll be the best hole you have all day. That's what happened here is I, you know, the best, the best stage I had all day happened to be the last one. So thankful, grateful, and I will definitely take it. But, um, I'm going to kind of go through my notes and I'm going to do like a follow-up episode. The next one will be kind of a follow-up with all the things that I, I have figured out I did wrong and what I saw other people doing right. So, you know, if you're somebody who hasn't shot these matches before, maybe it'll be helpful for you. Maybe it'll kind of give you um, some things to think about so that you don't make the same mistakes I did. And uh, hopefully, you know, that'll improve your score. So uh, that's it for this episode. Do us a favor, head over to iTunes or Podbean, wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us a review. Give us a five-star review. I mean, come on, winners. Winners give five-star reviews. Give us a, a positive review. And uh, if you don't already subscribe, please do subscribe to the podcast. It's the only way that uh, iTunes and all the other uh, the other uh, places where you can download podcasts, the only way that they show our podcast to other people who are looking for similar content is by positive reviews. So please do give us some reviews. And uh, if you're not a member of the Facebook group, head on over to Facebook, search for the group called Rimfire Tactical. There's about 18,000 members in the group at this point. Make sure you answer the questions because there are three questions you do have to answer. If you don't answer the questions, we will not let you in. And, um, you know, we're looking for real answers. We're not just looking for something, someone saying yes, 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 or anything like that. Read the questions and answer them. We'll get you in there. Also, if you haven't subscribed, um, head over to uh, or shoot us an email or go over to the website. The website is rimfiretactical.com. Uh, you can subscribe for updates, um, things like that. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to us by emailing contact at rimfiretactical.com. If you're somebody in the shooting industry, if you're a, a, um, a shooter and you'd like to be on the podcast, if you're a match director, by all means, love to have folks on here. My, my goal was never to be the guy talking for 30 or 40 or 45, 60 minutes, something like that. Um, 
And the great thing is we are just a few weeks away, we we think, from maybe uh, maybe taking this little podcast that's been done, um, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say Bush League, but it's been pretty darn Bush League, and uh, maybe dressing it up a little bit and uh, making it uh, sound better and be a little bit, uh, a bit, a bit better produced, if that makes sense. But uh, hopefully that's something we're going to have in place in just a few weeks. So that's it for this week's episode. Remember, go out, shoot fast, shoot often, have fun. Remember, it's not just a 22, it's Rimfire Tactical. Cheers.